We watch a movie, maybe read a book, or look at some kind of art. And we talk about it together and say lots of interesting things, and one of those things is our favorite parts. This is Favorite Parts with Allison and Trey. Hi, Trey. Hey, Allison. Welcome back to Favorite Parts Podcast. Mm, So good to be back. So lovely to be back, isn't it? (laughs) It's been mm-hmm. too long. Way too um, long. <laughs> this week we are talking about Dead Poet Society. Mm. Mm. Um, a film. I'm gonna start with a short recap. And I will be including spoilers because the film has been out for over 30 years. So I'm assuming if you had any interest in seeing it, you would have already seen it. Uh Dead Poet Society set. At a private school in, they don't actually say where it is, I don't think, in the movie. It's just like a generic New England private school. I think they, I think they say Vermont. Do they say Vermont? I think, they, okay. I think they do at some point, yeah. Okay, cool. It was filmed in Maryland, but apparently set in Vermont. Interesting. Welton is the name of the school. Welton Academy, I think. Um, and it's a new year at Welton and they have a new English teacher because the old English teacher resigned and he's a young Robin Williams and he is a graduate of Welton. He has some unorthodox teaching methodology, especially for a more traditional private school. Um, and he really starts to open up some of the boys worlds uh, and there's a lot, you know, a lot of theme about being like boxed in and feeling pressure from your parents. Yeah. One of the students ends up taking his own life and, uh, the school basically Mr. Keating is Robin character, uh, is Robin Williams character's name. They basically mm-hmm. scape- scapegoat him, blame the suicide on him and fire him, um, at the end of the movie. And then there's a very, Famous scene that I'm going to talk about later on. Anyway, that's Dead Poet Society. Oh, the boys form a Dead Poet Society. That's <laughs> <Right>. important. <laughs> Where they go to a cave. I was like, are you going to touch on? Yeah. And recite poetry to one another and sometimes bring girls and put lipstick on their faces. Um, yeah. yeah. So, Trey, you had never. I saw this as a child, if I remember correctly. It came out in 1989. So I would have been eight at the youngest probably like nine or ten i guess when i watched it maybe a little bit older um you had never seen it before what was it like to watch this movie in 2022 um so it's interesting you know obviously it was a movie i was like super aware of and Mm. despite not having seen the film i felt like in many ways i had seen it because it's been so heavily referenced throughout Pop culture. Have you seen scenes then. before and stuff like I've that? I've seen scenes of it. I've seen clips of it. I've seen okay. scenes of it over the years. So you're kind of like, like know what it's about, basically. I definitely knew what it was about. Um, okay. And like watching it, like, you know, I think it's what's weird about watching a film like this now is that there's been so many echoes of fi- similar things like it since then. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like, I felt overly familiar and didn't feel especially original watching it now. Okay. Um, I, you know, what I don't like about it is like, you know, I think especially in, given today's pop culture's like sensibilities, like why am I, what, like why was a setting and uh, a story like this so fast? Like it just doesn't have the same fascination now that it likely did yeah. decades ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some of that where it's like, you know, 
yeah this like intentionally curated all white elite mm-hmm. environment doesn't mm-hmm. have the same particularly if it's not actually ironically examining itself at all like it right it's kind of straight in a lot of ways and so uh that feels really weird it is although then, i think there's an alternative reading but go ahead no that's fair um and but I, I don't i other... don't think it was intended but i think it's almost a subtext of the movie but go ahead okay my l- l- only other quick thing i'll say about it is that uh i've never been a huge i've been like a pretty middle of the road uh fan of robin williams i think he has yeah. like comedic excesses that just like drive me a little bonkers and mm. this movie despite his overall dramatic like restraint like it's still he still can't help but do the robin williams stuff yeah. which is, like the wacky voices mm-hmm. and like the, the john wayne doing shakespeare yeah and it, yeah. that stuff just like takes me out of the film because like it's inevitable in right. every robin williams movie <laughs> he's going to do something like that right so uh all together like except for not my kind of hunting film. which i think was the only one he won an oscar for one yeah, though he was nominated, I think, for this. He was also he was nominated. nominated yeah, he was nominated yeah. for this, did not win. No. Um, okay. Yeah. So would you say it was a pleasant viewing experience or just kind of, you said boring, I think, to me. Yeah, it's a little boring. Like it's, you know, and not like offensively boring, but it's just kind of like right. a little stale, right? Like it's just like, this right. is not, like this isn't for me. Um, I don't know how seen... much of that was also that like you kind of knew what it was about before you watched I don't know you know what I mean well it's this other I mean there's some of that but it's also like this whole thing around like yeah you've seen a lot of stuff like this where it's just like the valorization of like the maverick Mm. white guy who comes in and shakes up things for the man you know like (laughs) a lot of this is like the loosened tie teacher who's gonna really reach right 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 you know all of that is again like in some respects probably to this film's credit like it's a pop culture standard I've seen many times now growing up uh and so like some of that is just like I'm like all right like yeah great yeah it was strange to rewatch it so I rewatched it this weekend with my friend Lauren and I think both of us like were very familiar with it I am pretty sure as I was telling you Trey when we rented movies from Blockbuster growing up my brother was like very intent on getting his money's worth even though it wasn't his money but um (laughs) We would rewatch films like three or four times uh, to make sure that we got it, uh, got as many viewings out of it as possible. Why are you putting yourself on mute? Then people can't hear you laugh at my jokes and it feels like oh, I'm I in an echo chamber. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like it. <laughs> it does. I mean, that I, know, I just caught myself doing it too. It's like, I think it's a habit from work meetings. Stop. Where I'd we are making like... a podcast today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need, <laughs> I need your aff- affirmative laughs. Um, <laughs> exactly. My validation. I was lost without yeah. you. Um, no, it's okay. I'm here for you. Anyway. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I, this movie is like in some ways seared in my brain. Like there's a lot yeah. of uh, scenes that I remember, but there were, there was a lot of like ooh, ooh, yes. <laughs> moments yes. while rewatching yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I think first of all, like it is just like, I remember being like, there's a black person. <laughs> and it was when they went to the like uh, public school football game. Exactly. Yeah. I will say, so my alternative, re- so this was, div- this was hard to watch because there are lots of moments where I was like, oh, this is like, this is not uh, like 
the scenes that I think in my first watching, I found like endearing or, you know, thought Robin Williams was really charismatic. Like the scene, the first, his first class where they're all crowded around looking at like these, yeah. the old classmate, you know, the alumni of the school, they have mm-hmm. like all these old black and white photos of them. The carpet and DM. Robin Williams is, yeah, like, you know, whispering carpe diem as if it's coming from these alumni's faces, which yeah. I think when I first saw it, I thought was like kind of cool and like, oh, this like tradition or whatever. But now watching it, I was like, we don't need to be telling these extremely privileged <laughs> dudes to seize the day. Like the world has been constructed for their <laughs> comfort yeah. and amusement. Yeah. Like, I don't know that this is as moving as it was like when I saw it as a kid. Um, Mm. I do think there's a reading of the movie that is kind of an indictment of private schools or of these like prestigious elite institutions that require everyone to kind of fall in line because, you know, in the end, the, you know, the, the rigidity of the systems that they're operating in, be it Welton Academy or like their parents' expectations are what literally kill one character and mm-hmm. get, and like Mr. Keating gets like rejected from the machine and all the rest of them like have to fall in line or else they get kicked out as well. Yeah. So yeah. in some ways it felt like it was exposing that, that like you don't, I don't think you watch this film and think like, what a great school. <laughs> you <laughs> yes, know, like yeah. I wish everyone had this academic experience. Yeah. Like it doesn't leave you feeling like this is a particular, it just feels like a very rigid and like loveless place. Uh, like, especially the scene where uh, Todd who's played by Ethan Hawke has opened his birthday present. And it's like the same death set that his parents got him last yeah. year. Yeah. That was one part where I was like, like that sucks yeah (laughs) like like, i understand that he has like all this wealth and stuff but like it sucks that his parents like don't know him at all and don't care to know him at all um so yeah i felt like that was a part that made me i guess that reading of the movie made me a little bit more interested in thinking about it than just like the oh here's this like cool new teacher who's gonna like show you I don't know, inspire you to be a more creative and unique individual. Um, but there are just a lot of moments, like a lot of moments that I don't think I thought about the first time, like all of the poets who are are referenced are white men. Of course. Like it's all the Canon. Yeah. There's not even like, not even a, no women, no people of color. There's that weird chant that they do at the end of the first dead poet society, that I think is from like a, at least arguably, if not definitely racist poem. I like didn't yeah. go fully yeah. down that wormhole, but um, yeah. about, like, like the Congo. Kip- yeah. It was like Kipling. Yeah. It felt a little, it yeah. Like... Kipling-ish. I think it's yeah. from like the 1920s or something. Um, and then there's the like kind of <laughs> the sexual assault scene <laughs> where Knox, I think it is Knox Overstreet, like, kisses a girl while she's sleeping kisses her on the forehead which i'm sure is supposed to meant to make it seem less terrible and then it and like like does this big display of affection for her like it just doesn't read the same at all i think as it did in like 1989 like what felt like somebody being bold and taking a chance feels like a crime now (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> That's why I like don't go ahead. Yeah. And so I think that uh, there were, I mean, there are some like endearing, I do think the relationship between Mr. Keating and um, what's the main character's name? It's totally escaping me. Who Robert Todd? Sean Leonard? No, not Todd. Oh. The one who kills himself. Neil. Isn't it Neil, Neil. or something? Yeah, Neil, yeah. Neil, Neil. Mm-hmm. I think that relationship is interesting. And mm-hmm. I do think that there is still this theme of like ex- the weight of expectations, right? Yeah. Like society's expectations, your parents' expectations, whatever. I think that's a kind of a universal theme that most people have, whatever, in whatever way they feel pressure or they feel like they are supposed to do some kind of thing a lot yeah. of times. Um I don't know that this is the group to really show how that can be crippling, but um, I think it's something that most people have to deal with is like, you know, figuring out your own way, especially if it's different than the world in which you grew up. Yeah. And I like, I mean, I, I have sympathy for, I have sympathy for the the weight of legacy that these characters are right. like having That's to like engage saying. with. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think like, this is my thing is that, I don't think it's actually that much of an indictment about private schools for a couple of reasons. Mm. One, like really what he's like often talking to them about is like, how do you, how do you actually make this? Yes. Like live the Mm. life that you want to live, but also how do you make this place serve you and your needs? Right. And this whole carpe diem thing, that's like a through line through the film. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, part of me is like, well, we know how these guys turn out. Like these guys are also the guys who are right. the top one percent of the country, um, mm-hmm. earners of the country. They are making the. They are very much the people who want to make the rules fit for themselves around right. the rest of us, and you know I think that's part of why I wasn't terribly moved by like it's it's still about how like how do you make the gilded cage work better for you mm-hmm. and mm. I don't as opposed to like totally abandoned the cage like you know i think that's the weird thing right seeing the cage for the yeah the like shittiness that it is however totally for all of things maverickness like he comes back to work at the very know. so i was was like i don't really know and and also i think too like there's a societal acknowledgement here which is look like all these in, in in real life what we know people particularly particularly people of means will often do is mm-hmm. enroll their kids in private school or right. will find themselves intentionally find and buy themselves into cloister settings where mm. if it is a public school it essentially functions as a private school because right. the access is not there and so like I would just found a lot of this dubious when I was reading around uh, about the film as I was watching it I thought there were a couple of interesting things that uh, came up about it like despite despite all the like accolades and stuff that uh, it ended up receiving in terms of like Academy Awards and like BAFTA, a couple other yeah. things. Some of like the major critics of the day, like Siskel and Ebert, uh, somebody from, uh, I feel like it was like Hollywood Reporter or something like that, all mm-hmm. were actually pretty middling on it and found mm-hmm. the film pretty like one dramatically like dubious in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And um and I thought it was interesting. I, in particular, read this whole like kind of rabbit hole thread around Siskel and Ebert talking about it. And when it was up for uh, Best Picture nomination, uh, mm-hmm. they said that it actually robbed a spot of a film that I agree uh, 
should have been in this place, which is Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Um, I thought that was coming because it was also nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Yeah. And they, they yeah. just thought like a film like this didn't merit the spot that uh, that it was getting. But it's also not surprising that it's been lifted up the way that it has because it's likely reflective of, particularly during that time, who yeah. the Academy voters right, right, were as right, well, right, too. Right. Yeah, but I think you can watch Do the Right Thing now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And not be like, huh, this isn't as good as I remember it. Oh, see, I think Do the Right Thing still holds up really. I mean, No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying the experience of rewatching Do the Right Thing is a different, is a like more pleasant and more like, yeah, this was a good film. (laughs) And like rewatching Dead Poets Society and be like, oh, there are some. uh, (laughs) Yeah, like, like, I don't know if this is our best work culture. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and like. Do the right thing has some definite flaws in it still. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just thought, I just think this film is, it, I was reading around about Shulman too. And like, I think the other mm. thing that is Because it was based on his like real, right? His real prep school experience in Nashville or something. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah in Nashville. And it was like his first kind of like successful screen adaptation. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. But what's also interesting about it is like, it shows how, you know, again, why I was like dubious about this being an indictment in many respects, because what you end up seeing too is like post this film over the course of his career, he clearly gets plugged into like a certain Hollywood circuit. Like one or two of his mm-hmm. projects after that are Robin Williams related. Um, oh, okay. And like, you just get reminded how like how small, how truly mm. small and elitist and nepotistic Hollywood is, which at the end of the day, so like, these guys might have been told to like disrupt the place, or whatever. But best believe, their little debt post aside, oh, right. he's still going out. to private school. Yeah, and there's still like a you know, the thing about the debt poet society to me is like, yeah, that's great. Like there are these like little like disruptors inside of this thing, but like it's essentially right. like a fraternity, and it's right. and we know how those things work. Like they, I'm sure they looked out for each other in a certain mm-hmm. type of way, right? Post that school experience, so yeah, I was just like sitting there thinking about Mm. all those things right 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 although i will say that the the writer also went on to write what about bob which i know to be quite which was originally attached with robin williams Williams. yeah bill Bill murray come on yep bill murray ended up and then such a better choice yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) what about bob also one of my favorite films growing up and i have watched that again and it holds up let me tell That's you, great. it's That's no great. dead poet society. Um, well, Shulman also went on to do Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, that's with right. Robin Williams. No, Robin Williams is not in Honey, oh, I Shrunk the Kids. That's I thought Moranis. he was. I thought Where's it was Moranis? Robin Williams. Oh, no, I think Robin Williams was attached to that as well, too, at some okay, point. Okay, maybe. Yeah. Don't, don't question my 90s movie knowledge. Mm. <laughs> we were right. blockbuster regs, okay? We were, too. <laughs> Every Friday night, pick out two movies, kids. Yeah. Or wasn't, didn't you get a third one for free? For free, yeah. If you rent two, get third one free. Man, yep. what a time. What a time to <laughs> what be alive. What a time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, this film um, is widely regarded as like one of the most inspirational films about teaching. A lot of people count it yeah. as their favorite portrayal of teaching. Um, what did you think about the way teaching is presented in this film, Trey? uh so like the it does a very popular thing of like 
of, of highlighting what, what I actually think is a contradiction that we have around teaching, which is mm. the appeal of the like unstructured, free flowing, like right. almost like artist like like a stand up like a but like a stand up comedian, but also like it's it taps into this unspoken thing like. Some people are just born to be te- like, te- oh, you're a good yeah, teacher yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You know, like that he, it's not he, at all a thing that you have to hone and work at. And right. He just right. kind of shows up and shits gold kind of thing, you know, and right. he's able to like inspire <laughs> these kids. And right. I do from like the first day. Yeah. Literally from the first day. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and like, I thought it was, I thought it is an endearing depiction of teaching and it is much of what I try to do in class which is like how do you relationally engage with the kids right. first in order to unlock and be your be your full self in front yeah. of the kids and, and teach them wider lessons than just the right. lesson of the day kind of thing yeah but also like I feel like I'm like I was like yeah this is shit you can do in private school like he <laughs> like <laughs> although he was getting some side eye from a lot of the other teachers yeah, but yes but you can he still there's there's no like right Right. You close the door and teach. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What did you think? I think, I think the best representation was when Neil goes to uh, Mr. Keating and like asks for advice, like has yeah. a cup of tea and is like, I'm really struggling with, with this real thing. Yeah. And I think teaching at its best is like, is providing those kinds of relationships for kids. Mm-hmm. But I also agree with this article that was in the Atlantic oh, yeah. a few years ago. I will link it in the show notes because I know how to do that now. Look at you. Um, I know. Hashtag learning in our education season, no less. Um, no less. It's, the title is Dead Poet Society is a Terrible Defense of the Humanities. It's written by Kevin Detmar and it was published in 2014. Uh, so I found this like you, I was like poking around to see what people were, you know, what are the hot mm-hmm. takes on dead poet <laughs> society. And this was written around the time when people were like, people were basically saying we, we should teach less humanities. Like it was in mm. the wake of the 20, 2008 financial crisis. And like people mm. need jobs, yada, yada. Yeah. And he, the author talks about how people point to dead poet society as like a defense of the humanities, but the teaching that actually happens in the film is terrible teaching. Like he doesn't actually, he talks about how Keating's message is basically like, you don't have to think critically about poems. You can just be a fan of poems basically. Mm -hmm. Right. Like surface. Yeah. Just like, Oh, feel the line and like kick the soccer ball and like let the blood flow through (laughs) Yes, and don't walk like everyone else. Like it's totally divorced from any kind of like critical analysis Mm-hmm. Um, or like close reading. And so I, the article really, uh, I don't know, like I connected with the article because I often say that being an English ma- major taught me how to think. Like, Same. I do think that it t- taught me how to like, look carefully at something to make an argument, to defend an argument and to like construct an argument yeah. in a way that has made my thinking, like, I feel like I, you know, developed my critical thinking skills by thinking carefully about literature and like literally like looking at words and taking them apart, you know, taking a sentence apart word by word and like, you know, analyzing it. Yeah. So, and none of that happens in the film. 
right? Like, right. That's, that's <laughs> he's never right. like, let's take this line. And which I think was to me was always the most exciting part of English class was like, let's take this line and just like tear it apart and talk about yeah. all the things that are happening yeah. and all the things that the author is doing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he basically, I do agree with the, the guy who wrote this Atlantic article that it's basically like, doesn't this sound cool? Like, <laughs> isn't this wonderful? <laughs> um, and I think, like you said, also in some ways, you know, kind of, I don't know if demeans is the word, but makes teaching seem more whimsical mm-hmm. and less, you know, difficult, like, uh, work to construct a lesson and to like yeah. connect with your kids and make, you know, to help them work through these like difficult issues and problems. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, he says he's like trying to create free thinkers, but at no point, I think the article also makes this point, but he's kind of actually just making like fan fans of himself. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. Like it's, <laughs> it's much more of a culture of celebrity and he's right. They're like the hating fan club. Yeah, and he's essentially trying to recreate himself through the boys, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. really weird. Um, I also feel like, too, like, it, you know, I think that's this is also why I kind of, like, rolled my eyes a bit. It's just, like, it, it his approach or the field in the watching the movie, the feel of the class and the feel of his presentation of yeah. an engagement of the material made it feel like an, I was watching, like, an extracurricular club like you know like it didn't even feel like a class yeah they're playing like, soccer they're yeah around. they're yeah, yeah. they're yeah. rarely in the classroom and if rarely they are the they're jumping off like, their desks <laughs> and look i mean both you and i both have experience and engagement with schools that have been much more rigid in approach and i'm not at all advocating for right. no excuses keep the kids in the classroom yeah yeah <laughs> right but this like just did not seem to yeah, we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but like, yeah, I didn't think there was anything. <laughs> you you can you can be all those things and still still find ways to have the kids critically engage with the text, and they weren't doing right. that. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it still remains one of the most. I mean, I still like when we were making our list. It was one of the first movies I thought of as a movie yeah. about teaching, and generally has these like warm feelings surrounding it. Um, yeah. All right, Trey, challenge of the episode. What was your favorite part of Dead Poets Society? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, I still stand by what I said to you when we were getting ready to do this. That, like, I, I still think the, my favorite part is watching them have their first meeting together. Because like, I, I still, like, mm. the first Dead Poets Society meeting together. Oh, the together. first Dead Poets Society, yeah. Yeah, because I think that stuff is, I mean, it's a, again, it's like, a, it's much more reflective of like, the familiar trope we see in a lot of misfit films and stories mm-hmm, where like mm-hmm. the group finally coalesces for a common purpose and right. they're a they're a community and a club set aside a wider community and club mm-hmm. and i think um i think i like that like i liked what that meant for them even yeah. if, even if and you know i some of this was making me think about a lot of things i've read in literature around literary analysis around themes and such as that there's also clearly this like deep sexual subtext here around these mm. boys absconding in the middle of the night, going inside of a cave, um, oh, which has this all- yeah, and like, and that is a place that they unlock a lot of freedom mm. and emotion mm-hmm. and kind of let their hair right. down. And like one of one of the one of the first mm. things they do is look at a naked woman's. Oh, that's right. Picture, <laughs> 
So, you know, there's also all that where I'm like, you know. Yeah, there's a lot happening there. What's really going on here? Yeah. <laughs> what are y'all doing in that cave? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Finding yourselves. <laughs> Not everything's dead in that cave. <laughs> um. Okay, that's a but that's a solid favorite part. That is a little yeah. bit more redeeming uh, part of the film. I think for me, my favorite part, uh, it still has to, you know, as like as questionable as the movie was on a rewatch, the ending mm-hmm. still, it's just still a great ending. You know, yeah. it gets me. Uh, I think it speaks to this idea of like courage and bravery hmm. that especially honestly i was thinking about this for a while because the first person to stand on his desk is todd yes who has been like you know very shy and really struggled to like find his place yeah and i almost wanted the movie to end with just todd on the top of his desk Uh because in some ways it's more meaningful if he's the only one you know like it's 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 very hard to be the first one on top of your desk. Hmm. It's mm-hmm. less hard to be the second and then less hard, less hard, less hard as you go down the line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just the idea that like, you know, in some ways it's interesting because it's like, it's a cur- it's just it, in many ways, like a symbolic way of saying like, I'm with you. I do not think you actually killed Neil. <laughs> Yeah. But in other ways, like it's very tragic because he signed the paper. He signed the paper that said, I agree that Mr. Keating is the reason that Neil is dead. And so it's like this, it's a very like hollow gesture in some ways. Um, I don't know. I feel like I could think about that part for a lot for a long time, but it still is like just, I think it's like the music and the timing sure. and like yeah. right before Todd is like trying to explain to Mr. Keating that he got, you know, roped into signing this thing and he doesn't really get a chance to explain it. And so he just stands on his desk and it is just like, it's a, it's a well done scene, yeah, right? Like it just like pulls at your heartstrings and makes you feel stuff. Um, oh, captain. Oh, captain, my captain. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's like a Walt Whitman poem about Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> like how many right. white dude references yeah. can we include? <laughs> right. In one literary acknowledgement. But um, yeah. Yeah. It's still, it's still, I was like, yeah, it's still, still a good ending. And <laughs> it ends, it. <laughs> it ends right there. It's literally like they're yeah. on the tops of their desk and it's like, boom, credits. <laughs> Which is interesting because that ending is one of the clips I know from over the years. Right. About the I feel film. like that's yeah. like the most it's like famous. The, yeah. It's the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's no denouement. I mean, that is the, no, denouement, right. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> which is fascinating. Cause it is like, yeah, it's like in many ways, the best scene in the film or mo- at least most popular. Um, Dead Poet Society. We did it. We talked about mm-hmm. it. We did it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you went there yeah <laughs> here's um, a real quick uh thing that i, I uh, yeah any other this. That's a, thoughts well i just re- remember this now but when i was in middle school i think it was my mom and i for a very brief period of time went to visit a couple of private schools in the jersey mm-hmm. area where i grew up because you were thinking uh, about attending them yeah, my mom wanted to like, my mom was really trying to constantly keep me out of Trenton public schools. And mm. so she's like, if I've got a, and I was, I was a kid 
um, at the time that was like consistently being identified. Yeah, it was like consistently like kind of tagged as like gifted and talented gifted. and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. Oh, gee. I have no well, idea what that's like. <laughs> I doubt that. I sincerely doubt that. Love but, you know, I think program. I was. Uh... <laughs> but we, I, 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 this movie reminded me of some of the, you know, those, those like settings that like those like kind of bucolic like campus settings that we yeah. went to go and see and, and how, you know, even then there was this thing around as alluring as it was like, I couldn't see myself there. I, mm. and my cousin, who I'm really close to, uh, he did go to private school. He went to like Chapin, which is back in our hometown area. And he went to the George school, which is not too far here outside of Philadelphia. Yeah. And so, uh, here I was as a public school kid, um, all my life. And he was a private school kid. And what it, what it was like to, when we would spend weekends together, what it was like to kind of compare school experiences, mm. but also the couple of times that I would go and visit him at George school. Like, I mean, it was very much like that poet society. It was a boarding Boys school. Like he it was a boarding in. school. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Kids in uniforms and shit. And like, I think they were in uniforms at least. But like a very much like that mixture of like, tight expectations but also like unfettered freedom for kids at the same time yeah. too. Like, it, was, it was really weird things to like watch and see and like mm-hmm. here's my cousin this black kid around all these like white boys and stuff and it's just what a weird mixture of culture expectations and environment. Yeah. and like I was really I was relatively close to doing the same thing but yeah didn't did your cousin like it I mean, I think, yeah, you know, it's, I think it's like a lot of things, right? Like it's like, like kids just you, adjust. They're like, this is what my reality is. Yeah. What else do you know? Right. Like, right. In some, like in, for him, I, he had always gone to private school. So this was just an extension of mm-hmm. that experience. Right. Um, he'll talk from time to time about like how unhealthy he thought some of the behavior and the culture mm. was like, like to some degree, like kids should not at that young, right. at young age should not be left. <laughs> And not that they were left alone, but that there was too much opportunity to get into right. too much foolishness. Yeah. Which only feels cute when everyone, you know, seemingly emerges from it unscathed. But right, in hindsight, right. like, but you know, some, he's a parent yeah. now. And I think he doesn't think about it exactly as an option way. for his kids. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I did go to when we, my family lived in England for three years right. when I was growing up. And we went to an international school that was a private school that had a boarding school mm-hmm. attached to it. And I remember being like, what is this place? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as, uh, it was international. So it was like, it was still mostly white people, but it was like yeah. international white people, <laughs> <laughs> like Swedish people, Danish people. And there were people from like non-white countries as well, but it was like, uh, it didn't feel, I think, as like homogenous because yeah. people were from different cultures. Yeah. Um, there were still, and there were a lot of Americans. It was called American Community School, but it uh-huh. was definitely like, huh, this is very different than my public school in Memphis, Tennessee that I was just in <laughs> a month ago. <laughs> That'd be so jarring. Yeah. I remember this is, I remember that my first day they were like, okay, here's the student that's going to give you like going to be your buddy or whatever. And her name was Muffy. Muff- <laughs> oh my God. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh and Muffy was actually very cool. Like she was like kind of a tomboy who was very good at, I think there was like a women's rugby team and Muffy played oh. on it, but uh, yeah. But at the time I was like, what? <laughs> you, you must be kidding. <laughs> there's no way there's actually someone named Muffy who's going to give me a tour. And then it was, right. there she was. Um, wow. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, I think, uh, because it was not single gendered, because there were not uniforms, because not everybody mm-hmm. was at a boarding school, it like dead post society in no way. Like when I walked in, I wasn't like, it's like we're at Wilton. Mom, <laughs> <laughs> I've know? arrived. Right. <laughs> it was just, it just felt like a weird new school. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But yeah. Yeah. There's just uh, this one school that, uh, one of the schools that we went to. <laughs> this actually isn't funny. I don't know why I'm laughing, but, uh, <laughs> Oh God! But my mom, after in the car ride back, my mom, I had really liked the this one. I won't name the school because of what I'm going to say, but uh, I really liked the one school that we had Protect visited. Okay, yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> and on the ride back, I was my mom was like, you know, what did you think of the school? And I was like, oh, I yeah. really liked it. Like, you know, I was clearly expressing interest in the place, and she's okay. like, that I don't, I don't feel comfortable letting you go to that school. We had, we had, and she said why. We had as part of like the like little like tour. We were the, we, it was like a single family tour, so we, okay. it was just us that they were taking a private around. tour. At a, private a private tour, tour. right? <laughs> we sat in the headmaster's room uh, mm-hmm. afterwards, and he asked at one point to talk to me alone, and okay. my mom somehow deftly was like, "No, that's allowed not that happening. to happen." Uh-huh. And she said she did not like the impression that she got. She thought I would mm. be unsafe. Uh, oh, wow. Like physically unsafe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So she's like, I don't, I don't have a good feeling about. And were you like, that was like over your head? No, I understood it. I was like 11, 12 years old. I, I didn't, okay. I, I, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that interacting with him, but right. I understood what she meant when she okay. expressed like reservations. Hmm. About it. Yeah. Can't ignore those, those senses going off. Well, and, and it like, I mean, this might sound a little sensitive. Yeah, like, no, speaks, I mean, it some weird that weird in those spaces. Yeah. Well, the paddling scene, I like, you know, like, that was I mean, weird. Like, that's, that, was, that was weird. Yeah, that's weird. weird. Which I also thought was part, I don't know. I think there are, throughout the movie, there are like things that are like asterisks, like, see, this place is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That but was also one like, scene. That's a trade off, right? Like, that's what it, I guess, you know? Yeah. I wonder if this kid, this guy sends his kids to public schools, the guy who wrote what it. What do you think? <laughs> that's what I'm know. like. <laughs> that's what I'm like. Mm. I mean, even if Maybe again, he became a staunch public school defender after well, this Well, again, it's like what I was saying before. <laughs> what he probably, what he potentially is, is also rich and living in an right. area and, where and it a feels fancy good. public school, right. Yeah. Okay, but I will say. Chester A. Arthur. What? <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of it? Yeah. Um, my children go to Ben Alexander. Exactly. Um, but I will say, final thought. Yeah. Public schools really seem like vibrant places in this film. Like sure. at yeah. the football game, they're mm-hmm. all having a great time. There's a band, there's cheerleaders, there's yeah. a whole football team. Then when Knox goes to the school, you know, like it just feels very different than the private school. Like there's yeah. people in the hallway talking. There's more than one gender of people. There's more right. than one color of people. That's right. <laughs> and then he goes into the classroom and it's still like, I don't know, like people are interacting and being lively yeah. rather than like sitting and reciting Latin declination. 
Right. Um, <laughs> so I thought in some ways it was an advertisement for public school. That's interesting. I think about that it. Is interesting. I have thought about it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I may have a tendency to read most things as an advertisement for public school, but hey, I'm there with you on that. That's how. <laughs> That was my big takeaway. That's why I chose to see the film. Um, <laughs> all right. Dead Poet Society. Great. We did it. We did Next it. week, we're switching gears to talk about a short story mm-hmm. that I think both of us taught, maybe. Yes, definitely did. You did. Ta- okay. I taught as well. Um, it's called Eleven. It's by Sandra Cisneros. And I think it's in the House on Mango Street collection I so too i think i think yeah should verify that if you google 11 by sandra cisneros you will find this available um if you'd like to read it before we talk about it it's not long it is a sh- an actual short story like i want to say eight pages maybe yeah um but a lot happens in those eight pages that we'll be talking about next week excellent can't on wait on favorite parts podcast <laughs> All right. I'll see you next week, Trey. Bye, Allison. Bye, Trey. (laughs) Bye.